Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15 there. We've been uh, going through the, the life of Abraham here, and uh, as we'll see here, this is um, Abraham and, and Sarah, they're, they're, they're old. Abraham at this point in time is uh, about 99 years old, uh, Sarah is about 89 years old. And then some of these, again, these, these promises that God has given them, uh, to Abraham, and really revolve around these two promises, you know, that, that I'm going to give you this land, this promised land, the land of uh, Canaan, and I'm going to ha- make your descendants as numerous as the dust of the earth, as numerous as the, the, sky, the stars in the sky. And God has given Abraham these promises uh, for many, many years, and he's reiterated these promises twice now. But finally, in this uh, section in, in Genesis chapter 18, we get to see that God finally reveals to Abraham the, the timing of it all. That when all these promises are going to take place, when will he ha- finally have a descendant that will become numerous? When will, will, will his descendant uh, inherit uh, uh, the, the land? And this is God revealing it really his perfect timing. And as uh, we start here in, in verse 1, we see that this, there's this scene here in uh, Genesis 18 where, where Abraham is there. He's, seated, he's sitting in front of his tent in the heat of the day. Again, the uh, nation of Israel is a very, very arid uh, time, uh, uh, kind of a climate where in the heat of the day, about noon, uh, noon to 1 o'clock, it would probably be somewhere in, in the 90s or so, very hot. And so he was sitting underneath some trees, and as he was sitting there, kind of cooling himself in the shade of the day, he looks up and he sees three strangers coming towards him. Now in the culture of that day, in the culture of that day, because there was no hotels, because there was no uh, uh, places for, for travelers to kind of go to, there was this hospitality mindset. And that's what Abraham does here. Abraham shows hospitality to three travelers. Where all of a sudden he's seated down underneath the tree. He's seeing these three guys traveling, uh, kind of going down the road. And he runs out to them. And this was this the culture of the day. And says, hey, I see you're traveling. It's, it's hot outside. Let me bring you some things. to to help kind of refresh you on your journey. Let me pause at my tent here, and and let me take care of you for a little bit, so that you you can get up and go along the rest of your journey. So Abraham shows hospitality to three travelers. Now it's interesting here, and uh, jump down to to verse 3, and you'll see it says, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Verse 4, let me bring a little water to be brought. In other words, let's, uh, let's, uh, so you can drink it, so that you can be refreshed. But let me also bring some water so you can wash your feet. You imagine uh, my family and I, we enjoy uh, going camping during the summertime. And uh, uh, we were up at the uh, Ohio Pile yesterday, uh, scouting out the, uh, the campground and seeing uh, uh, that area. Uh, and and we are and when you go camping, uh, usually I, I wear Crocs the whole time. Uh, and my family laughs at me. I wear socks with my Crocs. Now my older my my uh, Sarah, my other sister that lives in um, 
Ohio, made fun of my socks all, all the time growing up because I would wear those no, big tube socks that you would wear and I had shorts on so you would only see like that part of my, my leg and, and so forth. And I thought that was cool. I guess it wasn't according to her standards. But I wear socks for my Crocs all my, and everybody makes fun of me. Why do you wear socks with your Crocs when you're going camping? Because it's this very reason. Because when you're wearing sandals or when you're wearing Crocs and you're walking along dusty roads, what happens to your feet? It gets dirty. It gets dusty. And so usually what happens, and again, the culture of the day was when you approach somebody's tent, uh, that's what Abraham was at, or somebody's house, they would offer you water so that you can wash your, your feet off before you enter into the house so that the dirt from your, from your feet don't go onto inside the house. And so that's what, again, some hospitality here. Abraham sees these three travelers, culture of the day. You see travelers in the heat of the day. Hey, let me run out to them. Let me offer them some water. Let me, uh, they, they, obviously they're not um, riding any animals because there's nothing in there about the animals. And so they're just walking along. So let me wash your feet. Let me uh, bring you some water so you can wash the dust off your feet. Can you just rest here for a while? And that's what he says in verse 4. Rest yourselves under this tree. This stop here. I'm opening my home to you. Let me care for you. But Abraham takes it one step further. He takes it one step further here in verse 5 and says this, And I will bring a morsel, a morsel of bread. In other words, I'm just not going to offer you water to drink. I'm just not going to offer you water to wash your feet. I'm just not going to offer you shade by this tree that I have next to my tent. I want to give you and feed you a meal as well. And so they said, hey, that sounds pretty good. End of verse, end of verse 5, do as you have said. And so then over these next several verses, in uh, verses uh, 6 and 7, you, the, Abraham kind of goes about preparing this feast. And Abraham prepares a feast. This isn't just, you know, here, let me give you two slices of bread and, and, and send you on your merry way. This is a feast for these travelers. Because look at what he does in verse 6. Abraham hurried into the tent and, say, and says, Quickly, make, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. That three measures of fine meal is enough flour for Sarah to make 60 kind of cakes of bread. And we're only talking three people here, with, and, and Abraham eats with them as well. And so Abraham's mentality is, listen, make plenty of cakes because I'm going to send some with them on their journey. Not only that, he runs, verse 7, what did he do? He runs and finds a good calf. And again, this is not normal uh, in the culture because meat, in our culture today, usually every single meal we have meat uh, that we eat. Either some type of meat, uh, uh, beef or, or something. In the, in the ancient Near East, the meat was, eating meat was kind of a rare thing that they did. It wasn't every day. It was saved for special occasions. And so now you have Abraham not only telling Sarah, go and prepare 60 pieces of, of bread, but also goes to a servant and finds a, a calf, slaughters it, and prepares it. 
I mean, he is, he is a feast. He is preparing a feast. And this is a sign. You're following along in your bulletin. This second point there. Abraham prepares a feast for these travelers. And it's a sign of Abraham's wealth. It's a sign of his wealth. I mean, Abraham, sometimes when we're reading about these guys in the, uh, in the Bible, we think, you know, we're, we're so sophisticated nowadays. Uh, our culture is better than their culture. We're more wealthy than them. They were kind of poor. They were kind of ignorant. Now, Abraham was extremely wealthy. They didn't count in Abraham's day. They didn't count how much money a person had in their bank account. They counted how many sheep and, and goats and camels they had part of their herd. Abraham had enough of all these animals to slaughter one and to give it to complete strangers as he was caring for them. And so he goes and he uh, has, uh, prepares the meat. And not only that, he goes and he takes butter. And of course, butter is uh, for, for the bread. He, he brings milk, and it will probably be some type of like camel milk uh, and, or, and that they would be drinking. And also takes the meat from the calf that he's prepared. He sets it before them, and they begin to eat underneath that tree. At this time, as Abraham is doing all this thing, at this time, Abraham does not realize that one of the travelers is God. Abraham does not realize that one of the travelers that is there sitting under this tree is the Lord. In fact, he just is going about his day. He's just sitting there. He's just having a, a good time. And he is just uh, having this, uh, this conversation and, and having some time with, the, with these three travelers and, and showing hospitality to them. But he doesn't recognize and he doesn't realize at this time that one of them is God. And that's why, if you have your Bibles open and you can uh, turn with me there to uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 13, that is why in Hebrews chapter 13, the writer of Hebrews talks about this understanding of hospitality. And he uses this example for the, for the believers there that he's writing to, in Hebrews chapter 13, he uses this example of Abraham as an example for us. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 through 2. Verse 1, let brotherly love continue. Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. So as believers in Jesus Christ, the writer of Hebrews is saying, listen, let brotherly love continue to be upon you. Let's show each other love in the church. And then he gives these examples in verses 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. How does this brotherly love look like? And in verse 2 he says, show hospitality to strangers. Be generous to the people, even if they, you don't know them. Be generous to them. Take care of them. For by doing this, some, that's some referring back to Abraham here, some have entertained angels. And they were, didn't even know it. Because as Abraham sees these three travelers, they look like average guys. They look like people walking by. 
As Abraham sees them from a distance, as they're coming closer, he runs out. It's the culture of the day. Hey, I'm going to show them hospitality. I'm going to show them and open my arms. I'm going to show them the kindness that, that you know, they're, they're probably tired. I'm tired. I'm hot. And, and it's the heat of the day. And so I'm going to show them some kindness, not realizing that one of them, in fact, probably all three of them are angels, and one of them is God Himself, walking and doing a talk with Abraham and Sarah. The same is true in our lives, and we saw that you were part of our Bible study on, on Wednesday, some of the things that Jesus says in the Sermon on, on, on the Mount in Matthew and in the Sermon on the Plain that uh, Luke deals with, uh, s- similar content, just kind of probably two different locations or, 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 and so forth, that, that you have this mentality that Jesus says that, that if you're my followers, you are to be totally different. You are to show love. You are to show kindness. You are to show mercy. You are to forgive your enemies. Jesus says, if you love people that love you, what's, what different is that? You know, tax collectors, sinners do that. My followers are going to show love, mercy, and compassion to those who hate them, who despise them, who want nothing to do with them. And that's what Abraham shows mercy. He shows hospitality to complete strangers that he never knew. And then all of a sudden there's this conversation. And this is what we want to focus on in our remaining time. This conversation uh, between first Abraham and, and, and this one of the travelers. But then all of a sudden this conversation that takes place between the traveler and Sarah. And again, at this point in time, there's uh, when we looked at the chapters 16 and 17, there was a 13-year time gap between that. Chapter 17, God comes and, and, and reiterates the, the, uh, the promises that God gave to Abraham and gives them that, that, uh, that, that sign, that outward sign of, of circumcision. And this is the same year, within that same year, that God comes to Abraham and tells them, then the events of Genesis 18 happen. There's not much time uh, in between Genesis 17 and 18. Abraham is 99 years old at this time. Sarah is, Sarah is 89 years old at this time. And so you have this, this conversation where the angel or one of them says this, and he said to them, where is Sarah your wife? So he turns and starts asking conversation with Abraham now. Where is Sarah, your wife? At this point in time, Abraham, from the, from the Bible here, the Abraham doesn't mention Sarah. Abraham doesn't mention uh, his wife's name. He just goes into the tent and says, hey, prepare some, some, some bread for my, my guests. And so all of a sudden we begin to see that one of them is not just an average person. Where is Sarah, your wife? Abraham sends, says, here in the tent. And the image is here. The guys are outside sitting around the tree. Abraham is kind of at the doorway standing, watching over, making sure that his guests are, are taken care of. Sarah is probably back in the kitchen or, or back in the tent uh, working away, uh, making bread. You know, you think about, you know, 60 uh, uh, cakes of uh, bread it takes a long time to, like, uh, to, to cook and things. 
and so forth. So Sarah's probably back in the, the tent, working away, making everything, making sure that everything is taken care of. And so he says, where is Sarah, your wife? He said, well, she's back here in, in the tent. Verse 10. The guy says this, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. That phrase, time of life, means this. And some English translations will actually translate it this way if you're following along. This is the New King James that just translates it. Uh, kind of a, a Hebrew idiom. The more modern day translations will say within a year. And that's what that time of life phrase means. Within this next year, Sarah will have a son. And all of a sudden we realize that one of them, as he is speaking, he's not an ordinary man because he says, I will certainly return to you. In other words, God is going to come again. And God's going to visit you. And next time you are going, next time this year, you are going to have a son through Sarah. Abraham has been waiting. He's been, God has been promising for, for years now these two promises. And all of a sudden now, here it is. Here it is. Within this next year, the son of the promise is going to be born. Sarah hears this conversation going on. That's what uh, verse, uh, end of verse 10. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. So all of a sudden, you have again this picture. The, the, these three guys sitting outside. Abraham is kind of standing with his back towards the tent uh, and talking. And, and probably what happened is, is the guest says, hey, where's Sarah, your, your, your wife? And Sarah's ears probably perked, perked up and said, oh, they're calling for me. So probably starts heading towards the door and thinking, what are they, what are they talking about, about me? What do they want? Is everything okay? So Sarah hears what this guy, what, the, what, what God's told Abraham here. Within a year, you're going to have a son. And what is Sarah's response? Verse 11. And 12, now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. I mean, how many people have you known have had a baby at the age of 89 years old? I mean, and they're as old as, like, they're real years as, as we are. Nobody. And so Sarah responds in verse 12 by saying this, Therefore, Sarah laughed when she heard this. Sarah's response is that she laughed. Isn't it interesting? It's the same response that, that Abraham had, wasn't it? Verse chapter 17. God says to Abraham, hey, you're going you're gonna to have a son through Isaac. That's, that's the one that I'm, the promises are going to come through. And what does Abraham? He laughs and kind of says, yeah, this is ridiculous, God. Can't you do it through Ishmael? And God's like, no. It's going to come through Sarah, who's going to have a son. And you named him Isaac. Because, to remind you, because Isaac means laughter. The name Isaac means laughter. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, and, and saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord referring to, Lord referring to uh, Abraham being also old. And so she kind of chuckles in herself, saying, This is ridiculous. This is impossible. This is, this is crazy talk. This will never happen. I'm old. 
Abraham's old. Like, this is crazy. God didn't like that too much. It's interesting is when Abraham laughed, God kind of called him out a little bit, but uh, said, no, this is kind of reveals more of his plan to Abraham. Whereas Sarah, the, the language is very harsh here, where Sarah kind of in, in her mind was this had lots of doubts. And, and God kind of calls her out on it. Verse uh, 13, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh? And here all of a sudden, all of a sudden the language kind of changes, and we as the reader understand that this is the Lord. This is God standing in front of Abraham as a man. We were talking about the few a uh, few weeks ago when, when uh, Hagar and, and Ishmael were there at the... Uh, uh, well, Hagar was there at the well, and the angel of the Lord comes and speaks to Hagar. Uh, and that it probably was when it says the angel, uh, referring not, it was not a angel, but the angel of the Lord. And because he is, uh, some of the language he uses, that was God in the flesh standing before Hagar and explaining things to her as well. That, that we can say that this, again, this is probably Jesus. That Jesus is here appearing to Abraham and having this conversation with Abraham, the Lord, Yahweh. Jesus is pre-incarnate having this conversation with Abraham. The Lord comes and, and says, Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, Surely I shall bear a child since I am so old. And then verse 14 is the key verse. We saw this back in the previous chapter that God revealed a new name to Abraham while he was having this conversation in chapter 17. The Almighty God. That He is the God of the impossible. That nothing is too difficult for Him. And all of a sudden now, this same understanding is is revealed to Sarah, Abraham's wife, and says, verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too difficult for Yahweh? God calls Sarah out, asking if anything is too hard for the Lord. Almighty God. It's interesting when you think about this. God had to reveal the same understanding to Abraham to help him understand. Yeah, humanly impo- this is humanly impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And now He's revealing the same thing to Sarah. And saying, yeah, humanly speaking, this is impossible. But nothing, nothing is too difficult or hard for the Lord. Because the Lord is the Almighty God. The Creator of heaven and earth. And He can do anything. And of course, you have that all of a sudden Sarah now realizes, oh, I've been, I've been caught. Like, like a child that had his uh, hand caught in the cookie jar. Mom asked him, hey, uh, did you take a cookie? Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't reach my hand in there. It just somehow appeared in my stomach. You know, it's just what happens. And Sarah's like, no, 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 I didn't laugh. Because she's afraid. And the, the Lord says, no, no, you did. You did laugh. Humanly speaking, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, many times, many times, aren't we just like 
Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, over these past uh, several chapters that we have seen from the very beginning, Abraham, you know, he's on his journey, and, and God has had to teach him and, and help him understand that, that, that God can do these things, even though it's, it's impossible uh, from, from our point of view. God is able to do the impossible. And, and even, even Sarah had to learn. I mean, she, she, she kind of screwed up with uh, giving Hagar to Abraham as, as uh, his wife. But, you know, it's, again, it's been a journey even for Sarah to realize that humanly speaking, this is crazy. Humanly speaking, this is impossible. And so many times, aren't we just like Abraham and Sarah that we laugh at God's promises? We're reading through the Bible and we're, and we're scratching our head and thinking, sometimes we, maybe we don't say this out loud, maybe we think of like, oh yeah, God, will this really happen today? Oh yeah, God, can you do this today? Oh yeah, God, this is, this is kind of outdated. And you hear that a lot of times, don't you? Uh, this is oh that was that, that was okay for like two thousand four thousand years ago, but that would never fly today. We're just like Abraham and Sarah. God's promises of you know I'll provide for you. One of the things that I have learned uh, as we went through uh, several years ago uh, went through the the book of Revelation and understanding some of the the end time things that are going to happen. And again. When I look at the Scripture and, and put First and Second Thessalonians together, it, it, I, I clearly see that you know, the church is going to go through, the believers are going to go through those times. But God's promises are still the same, and we saw that. That God's promise, Jesus Himself says, that I will never leave you, nor forsake you, nor abandon you. And sometimes when we read those things, aren't we just like Abraham and Sarah? Maybe not out loud, but we like, yeah, God, that... That would never fly today. Yeah, God, where, where in the world are you? God, is this true? Can I really count on this? And we're doing just like Abraham and Sarah did. We're laughing at God. And we wonder how God, or even if God, will keep His Word. One of the things we have to always keep in mind is this. And especially in those times where we where we where you know, life is difficult and, we're, and we are facing difficulties and storms of life and we're kind of reconciling and wrestling with those questions, those tough questions of life. Of where are you, God? What's going on? What, what, uh, are you really the God that we can trust in? We have to remind ourselves all the time. This is why I, I tell people. You have to, at that point in time, you have to let your brain take over and you have to literally sometimes force your mind to go to these places where I'm going to show you here in a few moments. You have to remind ourselves constantly that, of this, that God is the faithful, trustworthy, Almighty God, that God is the faithful, that He is that when that He is the faithful God, that He never changes, that His word from from Genesis all the way through Revelation, that that the promises that He gives to us, that He is faithful, that we can count on Him. He doesn't change His mind. He is trustworthy, meaning again that what He says He will always do. We can trust Him. He, he loves us more than we can ever imagine. 
He is the Almighty God. He is the all-powerful God. And that's what that phrase Almighty refers to. That, that He is the Almighty God. And that, can, that, that nothing, nothing is too difficult. Even when doctors say there's no hope, God can intervene and, and do the impossible. Humanly speaking, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That God is a faithful, trustworthy, almighty God. And nothing, nothing is too difficult for Him. And so when we're facing trials, when we're facing storms of life, when we're facing those hardships, when we're reading God's Word, and we're, and we're going through it, and we're asking those questions like, God, is this true? Can we count on this? this you say this is this promise. And do, do we, can, can we count on you for doing this? And the answer is yes. Yes. God is faithful. God is trustworthy. God is the Almighty God. And in, as we've seen through here with Abraham and Sarah, God is, is calling him and saying, trust me. I don't need your help. Trust me. Humanly speaking, having a son at, at 89 years old is crazy talk. But trust me, it's going to happen. A few chapters later, that's exactly what happens. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 21. We don't have these verses up there, but Genesis chapter 21 and verse 1. So the, the guy who is God talking to Abraham tells Sarah, I'm going to visit you within this next year, and you're going to have a son. Verse 21. Oh, chapter 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah. So here it is. It's the same, same word. The Lord visited Sarah, as He has said. And the Lord said, and the Lord did for Sarah just as He had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the set time which God has spoken to him. God's timing is perfect. Verse 3. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah born to him Isaac. Why does he call him Isaac? Because that's what God told him to call him Isaac. Why? Because both Sarah and Abraham laughed at God. Verse 4. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, whom he was whom he was when he was eight days old, just as God commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah was 90 years old at that time. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. See, that's the beauty of Scripture. God comes to Abraham and Sarah and gives them these promises, and we have the ability to flip a few pages over and ask the question, did this really happen? And we can see it did just as God had said. Nothing is too difficult for God. As you know, I enjoy music, and so as I was studying this passage and thinking about these pa this passage, some songs came to my my brain uh, and uh, on my head, and uh, and I want to 
not, we're not going to play them for you, but uh, Don Moen, uh, he was uh, um, a very popular uh, songwriter in the 90s, uh, sings uh, a song called All Lord God. He says, All Lord God, Thou hast made the heavens and the earth by Thy great power. All Lord God, Thou hast made the heavens and the earth by Thine outstretched arm. And then the chorus, and this is what popped in my head. He goes on in that first, that first part and says, No, God, You're the creator of the world. You created this world by, by the wonderful great power. And then the chorus, Nothing is too difficult for Thee. Nothing is too difficult for Thee. Great and mighty God, great in counsel and mighty indeed, nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing is too difficult for thee. And then, the, then there's a kid's song. My God is so big. And again, sometimes these, the songs that we learn as, 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 as kids, the, the, the truths from these songs, I mean, they stick with you for years. And again, the, the, the song that the, my kids uh, uh, sing this in the, the VeggieTale uh, version, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but it's understanding, you know, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. Of course, there's motion. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty. You get to, I always joke around the kids, you get to flex your muscles. But there's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And how do I know there's nothing that He can do? Because again, look at creation. The mountains are His. The rivers are His. Why are they His? Because He's created. He's the creator, owner of them all. The stars are His handiwork too. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. Second verse, my God is so great, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. My God is so great. So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. He made the trees, He made the seas, He made the elephants too. My God is so great, so strong and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot do. No matter what you're going through in life, no matter what you're facing in life, physical problems or just the craziness of our, our world right now where everything seems to be spinning out of control, God's in control. And He is able to do the impossible. And if we ever doubt that, all we have to do is turn to Genesis chapter 18 and see Abraham, 100 years old, Sarah, 90 years old, God promising them they would have a son. Flipping over to Genesis chapter 21 and realizing it happened just like God said. Nothing is too difficult for God.